What does pocho mean? It's basically someone of Mexican descent who mostly identifies with American culture. It doesn't mean historian or anthropologist or anything like that. So although TJ and Stephen will try to be as accurate as possible, please remember that they're not experts. TJ, it's been way, way too long. It's funny because the people hearing this will only think it's been like a couple weeks or something. Um, it's been but almost yeah, a it's, it's been maybe a even minute. over a month for us. Yeah. Yeah, so. man. Bonkers, bonkers amount of time. I'm not going to lie. When it came, because it's my turn to do the research this week. And so when I started doing it last night, I was like, oh, man, I, it's been a long time. I, you know, it feels like a chore. And I started doing it for 0. 0.006 seconds. And I'm like, this is awesome. <laughs> like immediately <laughs> fell right back into the swing of it and was so excited to be doing this again. <laughs> well, and it's, it's like anything else, especially right at the beginning, you're like, boy, I really miss it. But then of course you get used to life without it, but I'm excited right. to be doing it again. And I texted you right when we, you know, took our little hiatus and I was like, I miss it. This isn't like, I miss the fun. This, this is cool. Let's do it again. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, you, you said you had something hey. else you wanted to talk to me about first. Yeah. Yeah. You live in Oregon. When's the last time you had a saladito? Um, so this is a really poor time for you to ask me because yesterday is the answer to your question, but only really? because mom visited a couple of weeks ago and brought saladitos. Uh, if you were to ask me before that, I would have said months the last time mom came to visit. <laughs> she brings them every time she comes. Well, and, and the funny part is they're not even all that easy to find here. Like, I think you've got to go to like, you know, the Hispanic market to, yeah, to yeah. find them. but. One of my favorite things on earth to make is like the little fruit salad. And I don't know mm. if this is a family thing, if this is a Mexican thing or or what, but you dice up a bunch of like apples and oranges and you throw them in a bowl with like a bag of saladitos and you just let them sit there for at least like two or three days. Yeah. And then all of a sudden the saladitos lose the the salt and they just kind of take on part of the sweet of the fruit and the, the fruit takes on the salt of the saladito. And the best part about it is you could make a humongous batch and the salt preserves everything yeah. so the fruit doesn't ferment. And I only know that because I'm still eating the batch that I made like over <laughs> a month ago, I think. <laughs> it's that beautiful thing of uh, the sweet and savory mixed together, which is a really Mexican thing. But for, for you white folk out there, it's the when you've baked like a honey baked ham and you take it out and the pineapples... You eat the pineapples and they're the savory of the ham. And then you eat the ham and the glaze is like the sweet of the pineapple and glaze. And it's like that, that savory sweet mix. That's just so good. I don't know. Is the pineapple a Mexican thing too? Cause I don't think the pineapples come with the honey baked ham. Uh, all I know is that, uh, my in-laws did do pineapples for their honey baked ham. They do the pineapples too. Okay. Yeah. 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 I wasn't sure. Isn't that funny? Like we're so pochos, but at the same time, we're kind of insular as far as like how we grew up where we did grow up in a Mexican family. Like yeah, at the yeah, end of absolutely. the day, I don't know if this is a white people thing or a Mexican thing or an everybody thing. Cause I'm like, does everyone put pineapples on their hands? <laughs> I don't, yeah. Well, I don't being know. Pocho to me, it doesn't mean that I'll just say, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh no, no we you. suck at this. Dang it. We lost. <laughs> no, you go. We lost it. Okay. Now go ahead. Go, go. Okay. No. Yeah, okay. You. So, no, you uh, um, so anyways, the, being Pocho, <laughs> <laughs> doesn't mean that like you are only you know american culture it means you have to be a bit of both like if you're right. if you're yeah, not the true. first one at all if you're not the mexican at all then you're not pocho you're just 
American, you know? Right. But yeah, hey, hey y'all out there, go to a Mexican market, uh, find something called saladitos. Uh, they are prunes. Is that what they are? Yep. They're dried prunes that have basically been dried in a vat of salt. Imagine if you took prunes <laughs> and stuck them in salt and then forgot about them for a month and pulled them back out. That's what they are. And then and completely dehydrated, completely and dehydrated completely covered in salt. and coated in salt. Yeah. Uh, and so they're super salty and also awesome, but mostly anything, they're just salty. Put them in, like chop up some apples, some pears, some oranges, toss those all into Tupperware with a bunch of saladitos, shake it up, forget about it for a couple of days and come back and, oh, guys, dude, it's the best. I put I put probably an extra package of saladitos in a little bit more than I, I needed to. So the fruit's a little extra salty this time, but it's still really, really good. Yeah, that's like really good. <laughs> yeah. And the, the example I was going to give is it always reminds me of Ryan Reynolds in Deadpool at the beginning where he orders the pizza and he's like, ooh, pineapple and black olives, sweet and salty, which is two of my, <laughs> you know, one of my favorite flavor combinations. Funny thing is, though, I don't like black olives, so I'm not going to do pepperoni. Really? Or what is it? What did I just say? Pineapple and black olive pizza. Yeah. Oh, all right. No, I'm not, I'm not like fan of- I love olive oil. I love green olives. Yeah. Just the, the out of the can black olives. Nah, there's a flavor there that I just, yeah. 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 Hey. To each their own. Anyway, you guys, salitos. They're great. It's the Pocho. The Pocho Podcast. With Stephen TJ. So don't scroll past. You see these Pochos. They are still learning. They are just some dudes. Trying to find their roots, they're learning about their heritage, so let's all have some fun. It's the Pocho Podcast with Steve and TJ Valdez. Uh, uh, um, Valdez. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Pocho Podcast. Mexican-Americans still figuring out what that means. Welcome back, for reals, for reals, welcome back. Not only did... Welcome back, baby. Happy New Year. Yeah, not only did we go on a little hiatus for the holiday... But on top of that, we had pre-recorded some episodes, and so it was even longer for us. And then on top of that, we're also going on an every other week thing. And so scheduled all the way out, all that to say, it's been a long time since we've recorded, uh, a less time, but still a long time since you guys have have heard us. Uh, So we're back, though. We're happy to be back. TJ, how are you, brother? I'm doing great. Yep. Starting the new year off with a... um possible new role at work we'll see tbd um but i'm in a very blessed place where um they're they are bad batting my name around for two different promotions possibly nice and so um yeah depending on on what happens um i uh i, I could be in the very very fortunate position of being able to choose the promotion that i want here coming up soon <laughs> wow that's awesome very very cool yeah <laughs> uh i i am also doing well other than for the past like two or three days, I've had this weird thing that my breath breathing doesn't feel like it's enough. It's not like satisfying for my body and it's not asthma because I have asthma and I know what that feels like. It doesn't feel like the tightness of the chest. I can't get a full breath. I can get a full breath. It's just when I'm done getting full breaths, it doesn't feel like enough. And it's been like the most obnoxious Sounds thing. Sounds like COVID. Whatever it is, I'm going to the doctor tomorrow, you know, to get it figured out. But it, I hate it, and it's the worst. It's my only symptom. 
legitimately my only symptom and but i'm like getting like sore chest like pings of pain in the chest because i've been taking deep breaths so often recently sometimes i get dizzy because i'm like hyperventilating such deep breaths so often i i had that kind of sensation recently but that was just because we were at seven thousand feet uh up in flagstaff yeah and i had to walk through like a foot of snow like you know maybe quarter of a mile to get to the the uh, jeep because i let lucas drive it and he got it stuck in the snow and i had to go walk like, all the way over there and, and get it unstuck <laughs> but on a happier well happier ish notes uh are you ready ready to get started man hell yeah what do we got today steve well tj we are starting in poland Poland, as as you do, in 1830, as as any uh, podcast about Mexican culture starts, we're beginning in Poland in 1830. So I'm going back in my brain, and I think my the limit of my knowledge of the history of Poland is about 100 years later when it got invaded by Hitler. It's exactly what it. I was thinking. That's, I that's it, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's, that's what you know. <laughs> <laughs> that, that and Pope John Paul was from there. Paul, uh, John Paul II was from there. But, well, what I think you know and what I know is that kind of area, Germany, Poland, and whatnot, um, were a big part of the colonizing of the New World. So a lot of the Polish folk are coming over to the New World around this time. You seem to be questioning I never that. really thought about that. Like, I know that... There are a lot of Polish people here, like Polish culture in general is very, very strong in America, but I never really thought about them for, for whatever reason as like, I don't know, I guess I don't see them as colonizers as much as immigrants. Yeah, I think that's a fair way to say, you know, the Spanish okay. were the colonizers yeah. of our area and they just, you know, em- emigrated, emig- that one's emigrated because they came over. Yeah, they emigrated uh after the colonization so yeah i guess that's fair anyways mexico has been colonized uh the uh the 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 polish and german folks are emigrating to mexico and uh we are getting uh, what's called uh, syncretism which we've talked about a lot before and part of the syncretism is something that tj already discussed pretty recently uh we get uh the inclusion of polka in our music of the area yep and the polka definitely helped form a lot of the mexican music and what was going on uh like again like tj talked about recently um the majority of uh the people in like northern mexico area were all ranchers or farmers and their life was pretty much work all day and then rest and so there wasn't a lot of like hobbies to be done and so it became really popular were traveling musicians who would just go around and play music and then go to the next place and play music, etc. Yeah, this sounds this sounds vaguely familiar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, because the Polish had such a heavy influence on the northern part of Mexico, uh, it formed this unique genre of music. And as time passed, they would continue to add more modern music, like electric guitars. Okay, hold kits. on. You said we're starting in in Poland in 1830, and then they Was emigrated. That a lie? Are we actually? Okay, so we're not having, we're not actually in Poland. We're just right. I just want to make sure you didn't miss anything. No, yeah, because Poland, okay. we, we were in Poland for polka, and then they brought it over. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So this. So formed- so wait a minute. If one more question, if you just have a little bit of their music, is it un poco poca? Um, it's called un poquito. You got to put the L in there. Un poquito. <laughs> 
I like that. Thanks. Poquito. <laughs> Um, that sounds like what you would call like a, a small German kid or a small, like, like if you were Mexican and you wanted to, you know, al poquito. I don't know. It almost sounds like a slur to me, so I'm not going to say it again. <laughs> I don't want to say it anymore. I don't know what it means, but it doesn't you sound know, good. You know, that poquito yeah, over there. <laughs> it doesn't. You say it like that. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh man. I don't know if I have any friends that are either Polish or German in descent, but if I do, I'm going to start calling pocos. Um. I thought you were just going to say, I don't know if I have any friends. I don't know if I have any friends. So anyway, let's moving on here. Uh, (laughs) So yeah, this specific genre of music would grow in uh, the northern parts of Mexico, which would eventually become the southern parts of America, which would eventually give it the name Tejano. Tejano music. Which would set the stage for the woman who would one day be called the queen of Tejano music. No. But we're not there yet. Okay. We are beginning in April 16th, 1971. This is the real beginning of our story. April 16th, 1971, with the birth of Selena Quintanilla. Is she that much older than I am? Or was she? Would she be? I don't know what the proper tense is there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, didn't realize, I didn't realize she was that much older than I am. I mean. I'm excited, though. This eight, is cool. This eight is definitely years, right? Yeah, seven years. Yeah, seven years. Yeah, it's not. I mean, I guess to me, I mean, I, guess. I was in high school when when her her um, crossover album came out. Um, so yeah, I guess that would make sense. She was probably early twenties at that point in time. Well, yeah, okay. Uh, she was born to uh, Marcela Ophelia Quintanilla, who was actually Cherokee. Fun fact. So uh, she was mo- like half. She was all native technically, but half Mexican. Uh, but then okay. uh, Abraham Quintanilla Jr. was her father. Uh, and fun fact, a little aside here, Ron Paul, the politician, was her mom's OBGYN. I don't know he was a doctor. Maybe I did know he was a doctor. That's crazy. Yeah, right? Like, well, Ron Paul was there for the birth of Selena. Like, huh? Cool. <laughs> like, I don't even know what That's to say funny. to that. Yeah, like, you don't know what to yeah. say. That's just like yeah. a, all right. <laughs> It, it, it's like when you see your teacher like at Target. You exactly. know, it's like, wait, you don't belong here. Wait, what? What are you doing here? Yeah, like, hold like, on yeah. a second. <laughs> You're in the wrong story, sir. <laughs> You're in the wrong story. You know, wrong Paul, that poquito. He, he doesn't belong in this story. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so, uh, she grew up in a musical family. Abraham Quintanilla Jr. was a musician himself. Uh, because of that, she was very naturally gifted. And uh, he said, uh, at her, like himself, he's quoted saying, her timing, her pitch were perfect. I could see it from day one. At six years old, it was something that they started training her in and like really working with her in. And so... She had to have been kind of like Michael Jackson. You know what I mean? Where it's like... Wow, you have a whole musical family here. Oh, you're special, though. Yeah, you know, you you will be. I, I was going to talk about the Jackson Five in this, but I didn't want to make this their story too. But it seriously parallels the Jackson Five in a lot of ways. It really does. So interesting. All that to and say. And have you seen the movie? Just out of curiosity. No. The J Lo movie. No. The J Lo. No, movie? you have not. Yeah, like the one from like 20 years ago or whatever. Like Jennifer that's, Lopez. That's kind of how. 
Yeah, that's how she got her big break is she was in Out of Sight and in the Selena movie. She played Selena. Oh, that movie. I thought you were still talking about the Jackson 5. Yes, dude, when Selena played Michael Jackson. No, what? See, you, you have Jackson, no yes. idea what you're saying right now. <laughs> I, uh, you have no idea what I'm saying right now. What? Anyway, no, I don't. That was the problem. So, <laughs> uh, no, I have not seen this. Oh, that's not true. I saw it a hojillion years ago, and I, I don't remember a minute of it. But, yes. It's just interesting because it's been a long time since I've seen it, too, but I remember a little bit of it. But I, I, I'm curious how much of this is going to, like, follow. Because, you, like, what you're talking about right now, I'm like, oh, yeah, I like the movie. Oh, yeah, I like the movie. Oh, yeah, I like the movie. Like, I'm just curious how much of the episode is going to, like, yeah. Anyways. <laughs> how much of her. I'll let you tell your story. How much of her document, I guess not documentary film, but uh, her uh, uh, biographical film okay. is going to match her life? I'm, I would guess pretty well. No, it's going to match fingers, your version of her fingers life. Fingers crossed. Your it goes pretty well. <laughs> okay. Anyway, so in 1980, when Selena is eight years old, her father opens uh, a restaurant, uh, Papagayos. And if you're a musically talented person with musically talented children and you happen to own a restaurant that could also be used as a venue, you have them form a band. And thus, Absolutely. yeah, uh, Selena y los Dinos is created. So Selena y los Dinos was a band with Selena singing, her sister Suzette as the drummer, her brother Abraham III playing bass, and then of course, you know, other band members were brought in, but that was like the family core of it was uh, 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 Abraham Jr. was the manager and uh, uh, agent whatnot, and uh, the, the other family members were part of the band itself. And I apologize because I, I know a little bit about her because of the movie and everything. So if I'm getting ahead of you ever, just like punch me in the face through the through the microphone ah. here. But like, um, the, if I remember correctly, the movie had Abraham Jr. coming off a little Joe Jack Joe Jackson e, you know, a little overbearing on on the kids and maybe putting a lot of pressure on them and and um, being being more of a stage dad than maybe was healthy. Yes and no. Uh, I don't talk about him a lot in this, so I'll, I'll go ahead and we'll, we'll take this aside here real quick. Yes and no. He was definitely a very stern, overbearing dad who definitely had music as the priority for his family more than anything else. But I wouldn't say that it was anything more than, uh, other than like the you know, focusing on music more than anything else, prioritizing music in the family. Other than that, I wouldn't say it was anything more than a traditional a uh, 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 Mexican stern father. You know what I mean? Yeah, and that that's fair. I think my, I think my comparison is probably pretty unfair because I think Joe Jackson actually abused them yeah. and all that. And I don't think any of that, you know, um, Abraham did any of no, anything. No, like no, no, no. Again, like it, it was, there's one point in every article I read where he is questioned. One point and one point alone. And we'll get to it. And it's immediately like remedied, immediately dealt with. But we'll get to that in a little bit here. Uh, but okay, cool. all that to say, uh, the 80s recession hits, uh, specifically in Texas because of the oil glut. And so uh, the, uh, the Papagayos, the restaurant, closes and the Quintanillas have to declare bankruptcy. But the band officially continues to perform. They do what any band tries to do. They play at bars, weddings, quinceañeras, parties, fairs. Even just on like street corners, they would just go out and uh, and play on the street corner. But what most people were noticing 
is that Selena was a hit. She was so talented. She was uh, already like a beautiful little girl. She was, you know, already becoming this like very, very popular part of everything that was going on here. Because of this, they got booked a lot. Things were going well. And because of that, Abraham pulled Selena from school in the eighth grade. And this is the one. Oh, wow. This is the one questionable part of everything. He basically just said, nope, you're done with school. You're now you're a performer. That's what we're going to do. On a side note, some of Selena's teachers disapproved of this. We're getting worried that Selena was coming to school exhausted from all the gigs she was playing and whatnot. So they actually threatened to appeal to the Board of Education. They threatened to like officially uh, like form, uh, uh, do a formal complaint about Abraham. And so, like, like I said, this is the one moment where like people have all eyes on Abraham. What's he going to do? What's he going to do? So Abraham says, tell you what, we will absolutely make sure to continue Selena's schooling. And they sign her up for a correspondence course. So instead of being pulled from school altogether, she moved her schooling from official public school to correspondence courses. Now, so basically like online school before online. Exactly. Existed. I would say you, you youngins out there, if you don't yeah. know what a correspondence course was, this was online school before online school. It was snail mail. Your teacher would physically mail you. Here's everything I want you to do over the next week. And you would do all of that. And then you would mail it back to your teacher and you would go back and forth because of this. Uh, number one, I just, good job, teachers, teachers always be pro education. I'm always in favor of teachers. I love that these teachers cared enough about Selena to be paid that much, pay that much attention to her and to care that much about her that this happened because of that, she was able to graduate, got her diploma, a high school diploma, and even started doing a degree in business management, uh, for college courses after that, which she did not finish for reasons we will get to later, of course. But all that to say that, uh, she would, Selena would continue to be an advocate for education because she, uh, her father decided to make school a priority for her, not a priority, but a, a large part of her life. She would, when she would tour, like visit schools. She would just go and that's cool. Yeah, come pop in, talk to students. Uh, I was reading an article about a specific time there was. She did a lot of like underprivileged high schools uh, and a lot of like low income areas, you know, with problem kids and things like that. And she was that one in particular that had like a lot of gang activity. And there were several gang members that were in detention at the time the assembly with uh, Selena was going on. And so these guys are there and they're like, the super famous person is coming. This beautiful woman is coming. Like. I really, really want to go. This is later in life, by the way. So we'll backtrack here in no, a second. Okay. But after she, after she's famous. Yeah, this is after she's famous. So, but uh, they're, they're like, they still want to see her. And it, this, this dude is like specifically remembering. He's got this memory, like core in his brain. Detention ends. They all run out into the parking lot. And she's still there waiting in the parking lot. And she smiles at them. And he says, I vividly remember her saying, I'm so happy to see you. He's like, I, I, she, wow. she had no idea who I was, but she knew I was coming out of detention and she would seem so genuine when she said that she was so happy to see me. And he said that afterward, I can, <clears throat> as the article continued, he said he couldn't specifically give credit to Selena. He, he doesn't know, but what he does know is that after that, the gang activity calmed down quite a bit. And in fact, How there were two funny. like, 
warring, like there was going to be like a violent act, like a fight that was going to break out soon. And one of the gangs like showed up and was like, hey, how about we just declare peace instead? And the other gang was like, yeah, all right, cool. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so that's pretty powerful. Yeah, that, that's <laughs> awesome. Again, whether or not that was direct, directly in link to Selena, he couldn't say. But he said after she visited, these things happened. And he said, I felt it like I felt like her, her presence being just such a loving and opening presence. So anyway. All that to say, very cool. Big, big advocate for education. Uh, uh, so good job, teachers. Yeah, again, I love teachers. Well, and, and good that, job. that's good that that Abraham kind of came back and did the like. Okay, yeah, you're right. I can't just let my daughter drop out at eighth grade. You know, right, right. Like, hey, continue your education. That is the one kind of. I don't know. I guess it's a mixed bag on this because I was going to say usually it's a very Latino thing to be like no. Excuse me. Uh, finish your education. Finish your education. Finish your education. That said, I think that's also somewhat generational because you know our nana didn't go past second grade. So yeah, that's also um, sort of depending on what your culture, what, what what subculture of Latin culture you're in, because the migrant worker culture is much the opposite. We're going to pull you as soon as you can so you can come work with us, and you know things like right. that. So it, it all depends. It really does depend. So. Anyway, rewind back to Selena being a young lead in a touring band. Um, when I say things were going well and that they were touring, I meant that they were getting a lot of gigs. Uh, things were not going well financially. Uh, they had basically a will music for food policy. <laughs> so it, it was uh, kind of like the cyclical thing where they were living paycheck to paycheck off of what they were making from the band. But... This was still their focus. They believed they had something really good, really genuine here. Uh, the dad, Abraham, wrote the music. They performed it. Uh, believe it or not, Selena was a bit of a pocha. She did not speak a word of Spanish until later in life. I do remember that from the movie. Yeah. So she, uh, her dad wrote the, the words out. She had to pronounce them phonetically and then be corrected by her dad whenever she you know, got the, the words wrong, however way. And then she would eventually perform the, the songs knowing what she was saying. Well, and but, let's, yeah. let's back up here. Let's back up real quick here too. Um, to clarify, they weren't singing English music. They were, they were singing Mexican Spanish language, Tejano music Tejano. at this time. Correct. Yes. Yes. This yep. was all very Tejano. Um, and uh, so yeah, geared toward a Mexican culture, a hundred percent. So finally, well, the Tejano, you know, also, sorry, I don't mean to keep interrupting you. Tejano, the the word Tejano just means Texan. Right, 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 right. Like, you know, yeah. So, uh, yeah, you know, the Tejano music was specifically, like, um, geared towards the Mexican, don't say Mexican speaking, good God, TJ. <laughs> the the, the Spanish speaking Mexican um, communities in Texas, like like this is not a Mexico Mexican thing. This is like a Mexican American thing, right? But but it is geared towards the Spanish speaking communities. Yes, yes, yes. And uh, okay. and when we say Tejano, just meaning Texas, it's in the same way that Western just means from the West. But if you say Western music, right. you know exactly what's being said there. In the same way, Tejano yeah. just means Texas. But if you say Tejano music, it is very specific on a, a genre there. So, well, and and not not Texas, but Texan. The yeah. the the adjective. Yeah, the Texan. Texan. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That's right. That's right. So anyway, uh, they do finally earn enough money. Uh, Selena y los Dinos finally earn enough money to record their first LP, and then Selena herself goes on to a radio show called the Johnny Canales show, which is a uh, Mexican radio show and kind of promotes it. <clears throat> and this would all 
come to the point that Rudy Trevino, the founder of the Tejano Music Awards, discovers Selena y los Dinos, takes in the music, really enjoys it, and at 15 years old, Selena becomes the Tejano Musical or wins the best uh, the best female vocalist at the Tejano Music Awards. At 15 years 15 old. 15 years old, she wins Holy yeah, crap. best female vocalist. But that is not as great as you might think. Because a very important aside is that Tejano music at the time was a to male dominated is an understatement. Blatantly sexist was a probably better way to put it. <laughs> Having a female vocalist immediately set your groups back. So to the point that there were promoters that uh, Abraham Quintanilla Jr. would try and go and like say get gigs from. And they would say, look, man, your band's great, but you got a female singer. So no. It just. That's crazy. Yeah, that was it. Like it could be the best music that they've ever heard. But if it's a, a woman lead, they're like, no, I don't want it because our patrons, <clears throat> you know, probably mostly male, uh, you know, at bars or whatever else coming in, they don't want to see a girl. Nope. Sorry, man. So <laughs> I know she's 15. And so I don't want to be icky right now, but she's a very pretty girl. Like I'm, I'm, and again, I know at 15, it's, it's probably different. You don't want to have a bunch of drunk dudes ogling a, a you know, high school aged uh, female singer. But, you know, at least uh, maybe she's already famous by the time she's 18. My point is, is she's someone that you wouldn't not want to look at. You know what I mean? Like that, that's it's I don't know. It's interesting. Yeah, that's weird. So I'm going to move on. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, more than it, I don't think that that was part of their uh, their idea was to sort of. Yeah, you're not gonna you're not gonna market a 15 year old right. sexually. I, yeah. I get that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, anyway, uh, so yes, she won the best female vocalist. Uh, vocalist. In fact, she won it nine years in a row. But holy shit! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, apparently, that's like winning a prize called best at second place. If you're winning this, it means you're never going to be the best. You know, like <laughs> hmm. at least yeah. at that moment. At that moment, yeah. it was like yeah. winning an award called Best at Second Place. So, anyway, the band would release five more LPs. They would continue to work. They'd continue to, to, to get by in any way that they could to scrape by, making five more LPs. They would continue to get invited to the Tejano Music Awards. Selena would continue to win. And in 1989, Sony Music Latin and... Jose Bejar, who had just created the Latin branch of Capitol Records, they both would watch Selena y los Dinos perform at the Tejano Music Awards. So you've got Sony Music and Capitol Records. So both big uh, record okay. labels. There's Sony Music Latin specifically, and then there's the very specific, it's EML. I, don't, I didn't look up what EML stands for, but that was the specific Latin branch of Cap Capitol Records. EML had just started though. They didn't have anybody on their label at all. So I thought that was Luderoth's uh, uh, wrestling league. Is it? It might be. It might be both. No, it, it's EMLL. I oh think. yeah, you might be right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Old Cell man, Cell still uh, impacting things today. <laughs> 
Anyway, uh, so Capitol Records come and offers a deal, but Sony Music Latin offers double the signing bonus. But Abraham still chooses Capitol Records for two reasons. Number one, because they would be the very first people on this label. Therefore, they would be this label's absolute focus. Okay, sure. So where they, they would be one of X amount of bands on the Sony Music Latin one. This would be like, this would be a, this band needs to succeed if we're going to succeed. So we're in this together type of thing. Yeah, we're, we're going to pour all of our resources into the success of this one band rather than just being one in the stable. Second of all, part of the contract was crossover music. So like featuring music with Selena. Okay. So for Selena, that she would be featured on other things like that. And so that was the one he went to and said, yes, let's do this. We want this to happen. Uh, just to be clear here, Selena is still just 17 years old at this time. Well, and, and it, that makes a lot of sense because if you think of acts like, you know, I'm just going to throw Snoop Dogg out there. Snoop Dogg hit the scene as the featured artist on a lot of Dr. Dre's, right. uh, you know, album, The Chronic, and then blew up on his own to the, the humongous star that he is today. So, yeah, I could see that both from an artist standpoint and the uh, the record label standpoint get a lesser known artist featured on a bunch of other people's, you know, uh, maybe uh, well-known people's records, get them exposure. Then you can release their own uh, record as well. Yeah. Yeah. So on that note, Selena releases her first solo album on October 17th in 1989. So she now is the, like with the contract and with everything going on, she gets her first solo gig. Um, her, her, uh, brother abraham the third becomes her producer and her songwriter they get some new band members including specifically a guitarist named chris perez and they would perform on their own chris perez was seeing a girl but they were touring and he didn't see this girl very often and eventually chris and selena kind of started having feelings for each other and chris being kind of a good guy was like hey maybe we should kind of not like, let's just distance ourselves from each other. But, like, it did not take long after that for him to decide, like, no, there, there's there's something here. Like, we have we have chemistry. Yeah. And so he breaks up with this other girl. And he and Selena start dating. But it's a secret. Shh. <laughs> <laughs> Is she still 17? She's still 17. And they start Oof. dating. You know, she's dating the, the guitarist in her own band. And they know full well, specifically Selena knows full well, that her dad would not approve of this. The cutest part of this story. How old is Chris? Uh, he was 19, just a couple of years older than her. Yeah. Okay. 19 not or 20. Bad, yeah. I know that he he was born two years before her. Whether or not it, it, it's in the 19 or 20, I don't know. But he was born two years that, before that her. That said, I am the father of a high school senior who is currently 17 years old. If she brought home a 19 or 20-year-old dude, I don't think I'd be very happy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there you go. Uh, the cutest part of this for me was that I found out that they sat down and professed their feelings for one another in a pizza hut. <laughs> that is awesome. Man, now I want pizza. <laughs> <laughs> but like, it's so funny that the teenage story doesn't change. Even when you're a touring musician, <laughs> you're still going to be, yeah. you're still going to be in a pizza place confessing your, your love for somebody. <laughs> yeah. I think I kind of like you. Yeah. Pass the, the Parmesan cheese, please. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, 
they would have to keep the relationship a secret as she knew her father would disapprove. Uh, soon after this, uh, her solo album release, Coca-Cola signs her as their Texas-specific spokesperson. So you can see already now she's winning these Tejano Music Awards. Uh, she now just got signed to a major label. They are starting to produce a solo album for her. And now Coca-Cola is signing her for their Texas-specific spokesperson using some of her music as their, like in their jingles and whatnot. And so you know that she is growing in popularity. Yeah, her star's on the rise. Yeah. yeah. And then the crossover part of the contract really pays off because a man named, uh, let's see here. Oh, no, no, that comes later. Sorry. Her first solo hit. That's what it is. This is the time that her first solo hit, Baile Esta Cumbia, really makes her take Baila, off. Baile Esta Cumbia. Ritmo. Oh, such a good, a good song, song. Right? I know. As I'm like, was going through this, I'm like, oh, I remember that song. That song slaps, man. That song's so good. Yeah. I even put some of it on. And uh, there were two things as I put some of the music on. There are two things that I really realized. Number one, this was clearly in like the heart of that synth era. So a lot of the stuff was like synthesized music. And I was like, oh, yeah, it's the 80s and 90s, huh? I can tell. <laughs> but second of all, it's still timeless. Like, it's still so it's good. good. It's very good. It's music. just objectively yeah. good music, man. So anyway, well, maybe not objectively, which we'll get to later, but very popular. Really, really good music. Uh, all that to say, Bailes de Cumbia is her first like mega hit. And she takes off in popularity because of this, uh, a woman, a registered nurse who was a real big fan named Yolanda Salvador would mail, uh, would, yeah, send a letter into Abraham and ask, Hey, can I start an official fan club? And he's like, yeah, this sounds great. Like a hundred percent. This sounds great. And so Yolanda Salvador becomes, uh, the president of the Selena fan club. And not, on top of this, uh, she would be in regular contact with the family as a whole. And so she would also just become kind of close to the Quintanilla family altogether. Meanwhile, this is where the crossover part of the contract pays off. Because a man named Alvaro Torres writes a song and specifically says, I would love to duo record this with Selena. A song called Buenos Amigos. And this is the song that would bring her into mainstream American eyes. Because not only does this win several Latin music awards, but it is nominated for several Billboard music awards. Not Billboard Latin or Billboard Mexican or anything like that. This is their first mainstream music award. They're just nominated. Uh, today, what's kind of funny is if you uh, go look up uh, Buenos Amigos, it is Buenos Amigos by Selena featuring Alvaro Torres. <laughs> ha, how funny is <laughs> because that? Because fame, you know, took her off. But um, anyway, as this is all going on, as her star is rising, Selena and Perez's relationship ends up being found out. They're flirting one day and kind of joking with each other. And one of Selena's family members sees them, you know, flirting and whatnot and goes and tells her dad. And her dad flips. <laughs> so in other words, she was right. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> so he comes in. All of her fears were completely founded. So, so he comes in, they get in an argument, and he says, you're done. That's it. You're broken up. Game over. You're done. You're not a couple anymore. 
And Selena's like, absolutely not. Like, we love each other. Zero percent. This is going to continue. And he says, fine. He's fired. Bye. Ooh. And so Chris Perez is fired. And they get a new guitarist. And he leaves the tour. Just like that? Just like that. That was the end of his job. Wow. But they continue their relationship. Undaunted, they continue their relationship. And on April 2nd, 1992 the couple would elope. They would sneak off. Oh, yeah. Sneak off and get married. A big part of it was that uh, Selena would hope that her father would be more accepting of the relationship if it wasn't just, like, her teenage fling or whatever. She's 19 years old at this time. Or 20, sorry. She's 20 years old at this time. And uh, just short of 21. And, uh, right? That's the math there? Yes. No, 19 just short of 20. Whatever it is, she's still pretty young. I don't know how much it matters, but yeah, keep going. (laughs) She's still pretty young. Bottom line being, her hope was that this wasn't just a teenager or young woman fling. This is serious, and now they're getting married. Unfortunately, they come back. Uh, The media reports this. They find out, you know, she's part of, of like, the paparazzi follows her now. They figure this out immediately, and literally within hours, it goes public. It's in news, you know, breaking news, all this other stuff. And this is before Twitter. Yeah, though this is before the internet, really. Like, <laughs> this is 1992, man. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Abraham is so upset that he basically alien out, uh, and alienates himself from Selena for a good long while. Uh, I heard something say weeks. I, heard, I read another one said months. But whatever it is, it's a good long while that he just kind of ignores, you know, gives the cold shoulder to Selena, does not talk to Chris Perez at all. Uh, she moves in. Or they move in together. They get a little, little apartment together. Eventually, though, he comes to Selena. This is Abraham. Abraham Jr. comes to Selena, and he says that he his real fear was that Chris Perez was going to be the type of guy that tries to piggyback on her fame and tries to right. take it from her to make himself the lead man, and she's just his vocalist or whatever. But he's kind of realizing now that that's not going to happen, been a while and things are still going well and then he actually went and he apologized to both selena and chris and he rehires chris perez back onto the band wow yeah i'm telling you from a mexican man (laughs) perspective i'm i'm pretty um shocked progressive well progressive when it comes to like a lot of the like machismo mexican dudes that are like generations older than us but i i still am very aware of that that's huge that's huge like so yeah you can see come in and say i'm sorry or i was wrong like yeah i was wrong you're hired again like yeah yeah and so uh, you can see now like where this definitely breaks from the jackson five is this is a man who was 100 percent willing to admit his mistakes he did about the school stuff. He did about this. He may have been a very stern kind of Mexican machismo man. And he definitely had his moments as you can see, you know, as you read through, but it wasn't extreme. It didn't really, as far as I could find out, cause any problems or uh, this was the biggest problem it caused. And then he went, apologized, said he was wrong and rehired him. And so that's crazy. Yeah, It's kind of awesome. Like, yeah, it was cool to see that. So soon after, oh, go ahead. I'm going to stop you real quick. Um, I I was unaware of the song Buenos Amigos. I, I just had never heard of it before. Yeah. So as you're talking, I, I went ahead and put it on so I can hear it in my ear. But, you know, obviously the, it's not going to be on the recording or anything. Um, 
have you ever heard Sonny and Cher, I Got You Babe? Yeah. Sonny sings, and you're like, wow, that dude can sing. He's a good singer. And then Cher <laughs> comes in, and it's just like, oh, oh my God. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> that That's what my experience just was with this Buenos Amigos song, is like, yeah, this dude, Alvaro Torres, sounds like he can probably a superstar in, in whatever his, his genre was, and he's very good singer. He sang his verse, Selena comes in, and it's just like, boom. <laughs> like, she is so powerful. Her vocal is so good. For me, that was uh, the Found Tonight uh, song with, with uh, Luma Miranda and Ben Platt singing together. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, That's yeah. like it to me. We're yeah. like, ah. Uh, Lynn can sing. Yeah. Ben is a singer. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, okay. Selena has just eloped. Uh, they've reconciled with her father. The band is back together. We put the band back together, man. And <laughs> not just a couple months after, she releases Entra a Mi Mundo, the album that would be considered her national, like, international breakthrough album. Specifically, several tracks, but the one that I think you will absolutely recognize, Como La Flor. Oh, yeah. Como La yeah. Flor. I do. It, <laughs> it's so good. It's one that, again, I put it on. I am I, I may try to, like, sneak in some of the music uh, during this podcast. Yeah. But it's going to be a little yeah. long already, so we'll see. If not, if I... If, eh, so what? Who cares? Yeah, if, if, <laughs> if not, guys, go just Google these. Because what I'm going to sneak in is going to be 10 seconds long max. You, you go listen to these songs, man. They're so, so good. Um, Okay. And, and it, this, is, this is a fairly common thing. And I know other artists that have done it where they release music and then they reach a new level of fame. And then they re-release their old right, music. Right. So that way, you know what I mean? And so for me, I didn't realize that Como La Flor was, wasn't from her English crossover album. I, I just thought that that was one, like a Spanish language song that they had that they had put on that one too. I didn't realize until just right now that that was a re-release from an earlier, uh, from an earlier album. So I knew it from, from her uh, uh, Dreaming of You album. Man. But yeah, I mean, it's just, it's an amazing song. That song... Pops in my head, dreaming of you every little once in a while. Like, because you know how when somebody says a phrase and a song or a quote or something pop into your head, whenever somebody says, I was dreaming of, that song just pops in my head. It yeah. kind of lives in my brain for that reason. And it wasn't until I was doing this that the the knowledge returned to me. I knew it, but I, it was never really there that, that that was her, that she did that song. Oh, it's so good, man. Yeah. Oh, that song is so good. It, it to me, it is absolutely like classic '90s, you know, sort of R&B type era. You know, <laughs> hugely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it that one. There's a timestamp on that yeah. song for <laughs> sure. It is of the time. It's great. Like you know, don't get me wrong. It's very, very good and still very good today. But it is of the time without a doubt. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, I'll, I, I sorry, I don't mean to keep derailing. No, no, because here. I don't talk about that. So that's good. Just so you guys know, she does do some uh, uh, English language releases as well that are also hugely popular she waits until after her kind of rise to fame before she releases these until she had more of an american you don't talk audience. about her english, her, her, her english language stuff at all in not this? much because we're about to fast forward here because what happens again to, to make a long story short again I, I didn't know if i had time it was kind of this weird area anyway all this to say she takes off in popularity that's the fast forward she becomes hugely popular releases more albums, spectacular songs, releases some English language albums to uh, help appeal to the American audience. It works. 
I think just one. And it was it was one and the one was like half English, half Spanish, by the way. Just yeah. one, oh, okay. Either way, it works and some of those songs are spectacular and beloved in their time. Uh, she becomes so popular that uh, she's able to realize another dream of hers, and that is to open her own fashion line. Uh, Selena, etc., I think is what it was called. And so she opens this fashion line, she opens a couple of boutiques, and she's wondering, who am I going to get to manage these boutiques? Oh, you know who's been managing something really, really well for a long time and is a family friend now? Yolanda Saldar. And like she, she's been yeah. managing the fan club and been doing a great job. And so they bring Yolanda on eight months after this, she signs Yolanda as her agent. So like Yolanda is showing like this really, really capable ability to manage things first, managing the fan club, then managing the boutiques and then managing her as an agent. The problem is rumors reach the family that the fashion boutiques are actually kind of starting to suffer and it's specifically because of Selvada's poor treatment of employees. She was kind of terse. Mm. Uh, if she just didn't like an employee, she would fire them. At least these were the rumors. And so these were kind of shelves like, okay, maybe. Yeah, she's doing great. She's a family friend. But we'll, we'll, we'll keep an eye on it, I guess. But then Abraham Jr. starts getting some letters from the fan club saying, hey, I paid X amount of dollars for the fan club and have not received a single thing. Absolutely nothing. Mm. And this is when uh, uh, Abraham gets kind of curious and starts to look into things and ends up finding out a $30,000 discrepancy in the fan club and boutiques between the fan club and the boutiques. And so they approach and confront Yolanda and they say, hey, if you can show us accounting that this money went somewhere, we, we, you're our family, we love you, we trust you, show us the accounting of where this money went, and it's all just fine. You have until March 31st. All right? Okay, cool, cool. Well, as the... See, this is, this is the really difficult part. I'm going to interrupt you, sorry, real quick here. And, and this is a cultural thing just in general, a societal thing. When you don't come from money and you don't necessarily have people you can trust, you just bring the people around you and be like, hey, can you do this incredibly difficult thing that normally people go to college for that? But I don't trust anyone else to yeah. do it. So so can you do it for me? Yeah. Like being an agent, when you said I never realized that she was her agent, being her agent, that's like why no she was a nurse what in the world makes you think that she's qualified <laughs> to be an agent for god's sake that's like a lawyer job you know what i mean um and but but they don't know who else to turn to they don't know who else they can trust and here's someone that at least has shown loyalty to the family up to this point in time you know well, and for selena she's become almost like this aunt figure she she loves her. She or trusts like a her. godmother. Yeah, almost, godmother. Or, yeah. That's a good way to put it, like a godmother. And so when more rumors started coming, like other people saying that outside of her actual relationship with Selena, they used the word obsessed. That she was obsessed yeah. with Selena. Like just absolutely everything was about her it, to to a, a disturbed extent. But again, the, the family wanted to trust and love this woman. 
The yeah. 31st comes around. Well, the days before, the, like the 29th comes around, and Yolanda says, oh, I was uh, sexually assaulted. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm not going to be able to to meet you and talk to you. I was sexually assaulted. I'm so sorry. And I, I am 100% firmly of the believer, by the way. I want to be clear on that. Absolutely believer. Get it checked. And so they did. Like, oh, we're so, so sorry. Let's get you to a doctor. Let's get you to figure this out. I'm, we're so sorry. Doctors find like no bruises, no evidence. And because hmm. in the Texas, um, in Texas, you can opt out of the gynecological side of that exam. She opts out of it. And so we don't know if anything did or did not happen. All that to say, the Quintanillas did not move that 31st deadline. They said, we're so sorry. Let's get you to the doctor. Let's get this all checked out. We're still meeting on the 31st. Yeah. On March 31st, 1995, Selena meets with Yolanda in a hotel room to get the accounting. And instead of accounting, Yolanda has a gun. Selena tries to run. And Yolanda shoots her in the back. It hits her in the shoulder, but it severs the subclavian artery in the shoulder and Selena bleeds to death. At 12 p.m. at Corpus Christi Memorial Hospital, Selena Quintanilla Perez is pronounced dead. It's this heartbreaking moment like I, I remember it like I remember being a kid maybe not as, as vividly as like the OJ trials or something like that but I definitely remember like the impact of the community of uh, you know obviously in our area of Arizona there was a pretty high Mexican population but it wasn't just the Latin community it was also like it, it was everybody everybody was like holy crap like this girl had like this this fairy tale story of being uh, the young star who rose to fame, who was a philanthropist, who was loving, who was kind, who ran away at a young age and got eloped with her, with her true love. And now her and her husband, you know, traveled together and toured together. And, oh, and her dad's her agent and her, her, or her dad's her manager and her brother's her producer. Like it was sort of like this magical story that everybody had clung on to so deeply. And then it was just over. Like it was so yeah. crazy. It was just over. Of course. See, and for me, I, I was, I don't know where exactly the difference was between your experience and mine. Um, it, it's not like, I mean, we ran in different circles, that's for yeah. sure, but it's not like you ran in like the Mexican circle. And I was like with all the white dudes, like, you know, we, we both had a fairly multicultural group of friends that was dominated by white dudes. But, um, I don't remember knowing about her. She, she kind of, kind of like uh, Bradley. What's his name from from Sublime? Like yeah. it was her. It was her murder that catapulted her into my specific consciousness. And then I fell in love with her music after that. Really, you know what I mean? It, yeah, just like we would, like I said, Bradley was Sublime. Like I wasn't aware really of of Sublime until it came out that he OD'd. Um, it, it, same thing with her. Just, I, yeah, she, I, I remember the murder being what catapulted her into my consciousness. And then, like I said, finding about the, finding out about the music afterwards. So it's funny because other than the Mexican, um, the, the, the Spanish language songs that were on, um, dreaming of you, I, I heard all of the other ones after, like I, I got introduced to her from her English language first, funny enough, um, her English language song first, because I was a huge fan of that, that R and B, uh, style of the time, you know, uh, that was, 
I mean, the the kind yeah. of pop music at the time. Um, and I would have been in 95. 95. I would have been a junior, sophomore, junior, something like that, or junior, senior, something, depending on the... Yeah, yeah, I would have been a junior at this time um, in high school. So, yeah, for, for whatever reason, her, her Mexican music just missed me. Her Spanish language music just missed me until after I learned about all this. Maybe it was the fact that that was right around my prime age of me visiting Tucson like every other weekend. Me and my cousin Mike were like best That's friends in that area, in that era. Uh, we we were like, it was the year after that that we started our uh, haunted house together that we did every year and things like that. Like this was yeah. prime, prime me in Tucson, which is, if you guys don't know, Tucson, Arizona is very much a little Mexico. Uh, so yeah. this is like, and I remember Mike's sister, Ashley was, was a big fan yeah. of Selena before she got big. Yeah. yeah. So that, maybe that's why I definitely remember this and was definitely aware of this and whatnot. And, uh, it, it did it, like, for me, it wasn't like a heartbreaking, like sad thing. It was like a, Whoa, crazy. Whoa. But I did remember seeing the impact on friends and, uh, you know, my family in Tucson and things yeah. like that. Like it hit people real hard, uh, yeah. to be, to be real clear. Yolanda Salvador was, of course, caught and convicted of murder. Uh, she is still living out her life sentence. And her first possibility of parole will be coming in two years, in 2025. And uh, she will be 65 years old <laughs> before. So that will be, let's see, from 95 to 2025. That's 30 years, right? So she will have gone from a, a, a woman in her 30s, you know, kind of prime of her life, to a senior citizen that she spent her life in prison, even if she gets that parole. Well, and, and I'm going to be, I'm, I'm going to be, um, the, the ignorant, uh, media consumer at this point in time. Um, the Lupe Ontiveros is, if you think of an old Mexican lady that you've seen on TV or a movie, you're thinking of Lupe Ontiveros. She plays every Mexican ever, ever <laughs> like, you know, I, I think Michelle she played Rodriguez, George Lopez in the George Lopez show. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> but, um, Lupe played Yolanda in the movie of, of Selena, the JLo movie of Selena. Lupe's 22 years older than Yolanda is. I, I think I'm doing the math right. It's either 22 or 18. There's a two in there. It's, you know, one side of 20, the other. Anyways, she's the point being, she's almost 20 years older than Yolanda is. So, when you just said that Yolanda might get out at age, would you say 64, 65, 65 or whatever? Yeah. I'm like, I'm like, I thought she'd have been dead by then. You know, <laughs> like I, I was surprised she was still alive, but that's because I saw the movie and the movie per, you know, had an actress that was damn near 20 years older than the actual person. So this whole time I thought Yolanda was like way older than Selena. She was only like 10 years older than she was. Uh, that, that's my, I, I believe that's the case. Let me double check that. Because now that you're saying that, no, I'm looking at her Wikipedia page. Yeah, right okay, now. good. I just wanted to make sure. Yeah, I thought yeah. that was the case. Yes, so uh, I'm looking up the Selena movie on IMDb right now because I actually don't know uh, the actress you're talking about. You're gonna see her face and you're gonna be like, oh yeah, her. Right, right, and that's what I, I that's what I want to happen is for that. Uh, let's see here. This is good. Uh, this is good audio. Here is me. Uh, why is she well, not in? Like, I think the title. No. Lupe, just look up Lupe Ontiveros, O-N-T-I-V-E-R-O-S. And um, she, let's see, I'm going to oh, look yep. at her okay. yeah. real quick for you. But yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> oh, she is, yeah. She's the Mexican old lady in everything, man. 
Yeah, she exactly. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> anyway, uh, so yeah, she, she'll be uh, eligible for parole at sixty-five years old. Which, man, it's it's heartbreaking and it's tough. But as somebody who's devout in my faith, I always I also believe in redemption and forgiveness. But man, <laughs> so we'll see. Yeah, but also that's too early. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> April first. Her funeral was held. Uh, 3,000, uh, around 3,000 fans show up. Uh, later on, they actually have her burial. Uh, 600, this, this is the just close family and friends. 600 people are there for her burial. Uh, after the fact. Uh, and that's not fans. That's family and friends, yeah, you that, said. That 600 is just family and, and friends. 600 people. Yeah. Good grief. Uh, you know, that, that's very Latin. <laughs> So no, it is. Yeah. Uh, her death was compared to John Lennon, Elvis Presley, JFK as this young, incredible star that deserved so, so much. What broke my heart about this though, is that she didn't have like the drug use or like other tough, you know, exactly. government issues or anything like this. Like she was just this young, innocent woman, rising star who it's something it sucked like some crazy lady shot yeah, her but by all accounts innocent yeah you, you know in in every sense of the word innocent yeah, absolutely she she was kind of the 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 tejano um taylor swift yeah. like one of those girls where it's like i wouldn't mind if my daughter grew up like her other than that selena was a little sexy but yeah <laughs> <laughs> like go back and look at some of her outfits they're not like super revealing but she's not afraid to flaunt what she right got, right you know? right right um, George W. Bush, the then Texas governor, declares April 16th as Selena Day, a state holiday. So it is still officially a state holiday in Texas. Uh, and of course, Howard Stern would say that he didn't care, that Latin people have the worst taste in music, that Elvin the Chipmunks has more soul than her music, and then played, played Selena's songs with gunshots in the background. There, there's not words that that I can say on this podcast that would um, complete the the feelings that I have towards Howard Stern based on that. That's we know he's the worst, yeah. but this is a different level of the worst. Like, there's like to me, he's always been South Park the worst, and this is a different level of that. This is blatant racism, like awful human being, the worst. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's shock jock, right? But you also hope that there's a line and then you just realize that there's not, he doesn't, right. Care. You know what I mean? Like you're just trying to get attention. This is how you do it. And you don't care who you're stepping on, who you're offending. You're just trying to get attention. So, uh, afterward, uh, it's massively controversial stores begin pulling his product because he was a, he was like a thing at the time. Stores begin pulling his product. Is, yeah. uh, Robin Leach, his, uh, not Robin Leach, Robin. Nope. Not, uh, Givens. Nope. I can't. Robin, his co-host. His co -host, yeah. Uh, yeah. I know. He goes on about. Jay Leno along with. Oh my gosh. Not Gloria Stefan. The one from Tucson. Dang it. I blanked on her name. Yeah. Linda Ronstadt. Yeah. Linda Ronstadt goes on, uh, on Jay Leno with Linda Ronstadt and Jay Leno's like, Hey, why did you let Howard say that? And Robin's like, it was terrible. I, I didn't know what to say in response at the time. So I was just kind of quiet, but you know, Howard's going to be Howard. And Linda Ronstadt was like, 
Mm-mm. How dare you? How dare him? Like, that was awful. Mm-hmm. That was mm-hmm. awful. How could you do that? And so she defends Selena, defends Latin music, of course, as we've learned that because she is Mexican-American and uh, did a lot of her own sort of Latin music stuff. Uh, this becomes kind of a big thing. And <laughs> Howard Stern has to go live and apologize in Spanish. His producers write him the Spanish language apology that he then goes on air and apologizes for. And, you know, it's uh, Howard. No, I'm sorry. Believe him. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yes. No, he was made to do that. I'm not saying, you know, that that makes it okay. I'm laughing at the fact that he was brought to that amount of what I I would guess he considered shame that I I bet he thought that was a very shameful thing. Having to number one, speak Spanish and number two, apologize in Spanish. And I think that's hilarious. (laughs) Take that you jerk. (laughs) So, and it's, it's Robin quivers, Robin quivers. Right, 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 right. So bottom line, Selena was a legend Mexican American icon who not only helped grow a genre of music, but helped make it more internationally popular and acceptable. To this day, we can still see the popularity of, of Latin music is still growing and different genres and styles are coming out all the time. And she was one of the people who helped start this, helped grow this again. She was loved by many, a ph- philanthropist, uh, an icon, a fashionista, but most importantly, by anybody who met her, she was just a good human being. I could not find legitimately typed in Selena controversy and I got the murder, <laughs> the, 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 uh, Chris Perez thing, her, her, you know, running away, uh, getting eloped thing. And that's it. Like she was just a good person. So to all of you out there, if you do not know about Selena, go watch the movie. There's a series actually about her right now. There's a series on, I think it's HBO max. I need to watch that. I have HBO max. I think it's Netflix, if I remember right. Whatever it is, I'm literally going to end this podcast and go put it on right now. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> but all that to say that you guys need to check out her music, learn more about her, because she was a beautiful person, uh, a good human being, uh, a beautiful in general, a physically beautiful you know woman. But all in all, somebody worth your attention. Go check out Selena, guys. Yeah, and and I would I would echo literally all of that. Um, just the everything everything about her. Uh, the 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 music is great. If you listen to her, if you listen to her sing, it's just her voice. It really is that like diva, next level, like powerful, just awesome. Her her voice is just awesome. Which is funny because, like you said, she didn't speak Spanish, but. I think her Tejano music, her voice is even better than her English language music. Like, I, I think for whatever reason, it, it almost comes across as if English is her second language, which it's not. Obviously, right. it, it was her first language. But she, she almost was a little bit more reserved in her in her English songs than the Spanish ones. And it, maybe it's just the style of music yeah. as well. In Spanish music, I mean, you're you're projecting, Jack. You know, the, the Tejano music is, is party, it's dance, it's all that. And most of her English language songs were more... Um, uh, uh, ballads, you know, kind of love songs and, and that sort of thing. But yeah, it, it was just, she, she was great, uh, you know, every which way and sideways. 
Um, very beautiful. And it's funny you mentioned that her mom's all, uh, is 100% Cherokee because in Spanish you say that, you know, she has kind of Chino eyes, yeah. like Asian like appearance. And it makes sense now that you say that. You look at her like, oh, yeah, that's the Cherokee. Like, absolutely, you can mm-hmm. see that there's a huge influence of that, the Indian features in there. But she has a, a very quintessential curvy Latin body, yeah. um, which was also very popular, you know, <laughs> and Google it. You guys can figure that out on your own. Don't Google um, it. And as you're Don't talking, Google just... Selena's body, please. Don't do that. You, you can just Google Selena. <laughs> you, you, I don't know. Google whatever you want. I don't know what I mean. like... <laughs> I'm like, hey, guys, if TJ passes, uh, somebody delete his search history. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I No, wait. I will say this. No, no, no. Time out. I will say this. And no, I'm not going to pretend like this is the reason why that may or may not be in my Google search history. Um, oh, no. She, in my opinion. He is working so hard to formulate been... these words, guys. <laughs> no, but I because I, I want to say it right. Like, this movie is what gave J-Lo the reputation of having a great butt. And I think I remember reading somewhere that it might have been even like stuffed or fake <laughs> or whatever because they had to mimic Selena's butt, which was as popular. I, I will not say. deny that. You know what that I mean? was a, a yeah. part of her image that was well known. That's true. <laughs> we have been talking yeah. far too long about the body of an incredibly talented vocalist. So, and just all around good I'm, human I'm, being. I'm not going to lie. I'm here for butt talk all day long. <laughs> Wait, no, hold on. Delete that. Delete that. Cut that. <laughs> anyway, thank you guys for listening. No, wait, one more oh thing. One more thing. Did you know that she was in the 1995 movie Don Juan DeMarco that she had a cameo in it? No, really? Yeah, I just found that out on her on her Wikipedia page. I didn't know that. I've seen that movie before. It's pretty good. I liked it. It was cute. A little cheesy, but it was cute. Anyway, uh, go listen to her music, guys. <laughs> Specifically, if you've ever watched a movie and like somebody begins dancing uncontrollably and they're like, ah, the music has caught me. I can't help but dancing. That's like any of her cumbias. If you just put like Selena Cumbia, oh, you you will you it, your butt will start shaking and you're like, what's happened? I can't not. What is going on? Yes. Yes. Oh my gosh, man. It's so They're good. They're so, so good. good. Oh my gosh. Uh, anyway, uh, all that's say, thank you so much for listening, guys. We appreciate your support. Uh, welcome back. We're glad to be back. Uh, we are going to be again every other week here for a while. So uh, make sure that you aren't expecting us every week. But I uh, uh, want to say a big thank you to our cousin, Nick Gallardo, for the creation of our theme song, The Pocho Podcast. Check him out on Instagram. Go Nicky Go. That's G-O underscore N-I-C-K-Y underscore G-O. And we want to encourage you to like, share, subscribe, review, give us five stars on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, whatever, wherever you listen to us. And then, of course, uh, follow us and comment on all of our socials, uh, Instagram and Twitter at The Pochopod, or you can email us at thepochopod at gmail.com. Um, I don't know if anyone ever checks any of that stuff, but email us anyways. You never know. Maybe one of us will respond. Yeah. Who knows? Oh, and we're looking for a new social media manager because we fired ours because he's terrible. Yeah. Yeah. He's the worst. He, yeah, it's me. Um, <laughs> and I'm regularly putting out posts a week after the the uh, 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 downloads actually drop or the, the podcast actually drops. At least drops, you're honest so, about it. Yeah, At least you're like, that. hey, it's a week late. Sorry. Anyway, here's the podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so if anyone else wants wants to be our unpaid social media manager, um, Steve, 
I will tell you what, I will triple what we were paying me if you want to do it, you know, since you do that as well for a living. Man, I wish I could. I thought about it and <laughs> no, I'm not going to have to pass. Dang, sorry. <laughs> All right, well, if anyone else wants to take it up, I will pay you five times what we were paying me. Yeah. Anyway, guys, thanks for listening and we will see you next time. <laughs> Hasta luego, Ned. Gracias por listening, or however you'd say that.